gonna lead us in? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to Life on the Vine. We are coming to you live from the Hannesy Howard Studio, and I am here alongside my co-host, Mr. Jackson Seibert. Jackson, it's good to be here. It is good to be here. Yes. That is a correct statement. <laughs> uh, well, we are kicking off a new series of sorts. Yeah, just wrapped up the uh, story series, Yes, right? Yes, and uh, we are about to jump into something that I think we are both excited about and probably a little bit nervous. Yeah, trepidatious. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's the word. There's a little uh, bit of trepidation around this. Yeah. And it's a sharp left turn from stories. It is. It, it is. <laughs> uh, that may or may not be seen as a loaded term once we tell you what we're getting into. Just kidding. Lo- left turn. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's politics. It's politics. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about politics. Uh, we are coming up to a general election. And if you have not been living under a box for the last few years, you know that the world of politics has become more and more of a challenging one, one in which there is a lot of division uh, and a lot of animosity at times, a lot of hatred at times. And we see this divide entering into our own churches. We see this um, uh, among friends and colleagues and family members. And so, Uh, It's an important topic to address, and as we have said from the very beginning, our our goal is not necessarily to answer all the questions that might be out there. We're not going to tell you at the end of this who you should vote for or how you should vote, but we do want to open up the cans of worms that politics presents and to just consider consider a little bit how it is that we as Christians should think about politics, our mm-hmm. role in politics, uh, our role in society as Christians, and, and more just how do we begin to think about um, what Christ calls us to as we seek to be faithful to him. So that's, that's kind of where we want to go over the next few episodes. Yeah, and since we're uh, talking about something that can be a little touchy, you know, um, we just ask also that you give us a little grace. But I think that it kind of speaks to the climate that we're in, right? Yeah. To to say that we even need a little bit of grace right. when we're coming yeah. through in this topic because you know, for us to feel trepidation in this in discussing this is a little bit silly, I think. Yeah. Because you know, we've gotten to a point to where people are so just spring-loaded to just pounce on yeah. on something that doesn't match or like you didn't say this or you implied this or and we're so ready to just like throw people into a category yeah. and automatically we disagree with them and for some reason it's shameful to hold a different view than somebody else right yeah and so us trying to walk with this we're not trying to form your politics like dan said we're not trying to form your necessary necessarily your ideas of how these solutions should be enacted but what we are trying to do is say how should we as christians enter into the idea of politics and governing and what role do we have in a democracy especially 
that we are in a democracy, right? right Whereas right. the kingdom of heaven is not a democracy, right? right. So yes. it's we're already kind of have a little bit of a tension there, right? So yeah. we're we operate with Christ as the head; mm-hmm. He's the King. We get our marching orders and our instructions from Christ. But now, all of a sudden, right. we find ourselves in a society that is a democracy where we have a voice and we have um, the ability to enact change, and we get to vote, and we. You know, so there's already kind of this, uh, I don't know, this kind of weird shifting to the self and what the self wants rather than uh, just kind of being content to have a really good king rule over you right. and trust him, right? Right. You in, know some what ways, I mean? in some ways, I, I think it would honestly be easier to live in like a true monarchy, especially if it was a benevolent monarchy, because then in some ways... You don't really have to worry about it, you know. I don't have to worry about policy and all of you know economics. Or it's like, well, that's that's just up to the king. Um, but we are in a democracy, and we do have a voice. And the way that we use our voice, the way that we use our power, the power of our vote, however small that might seem or be, uh, matters, yeah. and it has an impact. And it has an impact not just on us, but on other people. And and I think that one of the questions that you know we will we want to talk a little bit about is that that comes up is you know how in what way and and how does what we believe as Christians inform you know how we vote and and what policies we believe in and are we trying to create sort of a Christian society are we trying to create a world in which all of the laws are lined up with. Um, scripture and 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 who jesus is or is that for a a different realm and and then the realm of kind of politics and and society has has different rules and and different engagements and and then this is something that i say theologians have even debated and discussed over the years and have had different opinions about yeah and and we've seen different groups of christians engage with the world in, in different ways. And, uh, and so we, I think that's, that's an important kind of question to, to think about as well. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you so know, I, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> so I, I just was thinking and maybe a place to begin our conversation is we started our podcast way back in the beginning with Jesus statement when he begins his earthly ministry, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you just talked about a little bit about the idea of the kingdom, that we as Christians uh, believe that there is a king on the throne, and it's not a democracy. It's, it's a benevolent monarchy. It's a theocracy in some mm-hmm. ways. So maybe just, just starting with the idea of, of the kingdom of heaven and maybe just a little bit of rehashing of, of what we believe the kingdom is, what we believe the kingdom is, isn't because I think that sort of forms a, a backdrop for this for this conversation and um, and maybe is a good starting point point. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. To uh, answer your question, Dan, uh, a couple of the things that the kingdom of heaven is not. It is not of this world, right? So, and I think we kind of already talked about that a little bit. This is not our home, right? As Christians, this is not our home. This is not the end goal, right? We have a role as ambassadors um, to this foreign land, uh, and we believe 
we believe that our king is good. We know that our king is good and that his his statutes are good, right? And that they are not just good, but they're life-giving, right? We have lots right. of evidence that that the, the statutes of God are life-giving. They bring about life and the flourishing of life. So so we we know that and we're ambassadors. So we, we want to influence we, we life here on earth. So we talked yeah. about that too. Actually that hasn't that one hasn't come out yet. Never mind. Um but one of the main goals of the will of God or one of the, the mm. attributes of God is that he is good. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so God's will is never going to be counter to who God is. Right. So all of this we know that the statutes that he has are good because that's lines up with who he is. Right. 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 Um, and one of our main goals is to, uh, as Christians is to bring about life, life reconciliation, um, and rehabilitation, if you, if you will. So, um, anything that is really, then we're getting into something a little bit different here, but anything that is counter to that is counter to, God and his will, right? So right, we want, right. we're trying to bring about life. We're trying to b- bring about um, reconciliation to this world, but this is not our home, mm-hmm. right? So another thing about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is that it's unseen, right? Mm-hmm. There are no borders or boundaries, right? Uh, we don't, and I think that this is important because we are called as ambassadors to go into the world and mm-hmm. it's not, we don't have borders to retreat to. Right? right. Right. So it's not something we're called to engage. We're not called to circle the wagons and hunker down yeah. in the upper room with locked doors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, let's go yeah. create a Christian utopia. Right. So right there we have a call to engage the community. Right. 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 But we also know that this is not our home, so we're not supposed to be the same as the world, right? So yeah, we're yeah. A, we're an alternate community. And so what that looks like in the U.S. Um, might look a little bit different than it looks in China, or it might look a little different than it looks in Russia, or I don't know how it looks in the U.K., you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure that it's all kind of different depending on which particular culture that you're inter- interacting with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have this call to to engage with society and its policies and its um, people, and we're trying to 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 roll out a message to the broader um, base of people. But at the same time, we're called to just engage with the community as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's an alternate community. Um, the church really is, and then the other thing that we talked about is that it's um, the kingdom of heaven is very personal. Like it's not necessarily corporate, right? I mean, it it is corporate in the sense that it has a gathering of people that form a bo- the body of Christ, yes. right? That's, yeah. that's yeah, yeah. corporate. But there is no real like manifesto, if you will. I mean, we have Jesus's words and we have mm-hmm. the, the Holy Spirit, but it's the gospel and the kingdom takes place inside people's hearts and and changes their hearts um and causes them to 
become sanctified and become more like Christ, right? Right. Uh, well, it's not something that we just adopt a policy and and then right. That's how we bring about the kingdom of heaven. It's it's right. very it's very personal and that is it's from heart to heart from person to person how right. the kingdom of heaven grows right, right? Uh, well yeah i think um you said a number of things that are really really good in that that is a couple i want to come back to but i, I think that this relates to earlier we talked about it not being sort of geographical so you know th- this is in, in some ways might be seen as a critique of um christianity in america over the years but the the kingdom of god is not is not you know America is not the kingdom of God right? Uh, Western Christianity is not the same as the kingdom of God, and there's not geographical boundaries around the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just for you know Anglo people or yeah. just for uh, it's it's a the kingdom of God crosses every barrier, every boundary that you could possibly imagine because God is calling people from every tongue and tribe and nation, every language, every race, calling all people together into one new, unique, alternative community. And so ideally the kingdom of God is going to look different and it's going to uh, engage differently than the than the particular kingdoms and nations of the world because for, for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the same way as you talked about sort of uh, the idea of, of a manifesto or a series of laws that, you know, the nation of Israel is sort of the closest thing that we have to a, a physical, um, maybe a, a physical material kingdom of God in history, right? You're it, not talking about modern Israel. No, sorry. Yeah. In the Old Testament, Just we think about clarifying. Clarifying, yeah. That's a whole different uh, yeah. question that we could get into. But yep. the but the kingdom, historic kingdom of Israel, Old Testament King David, was a a nation that was um, blessed and called by God for a specific time and a particular purpose. And it lived according to a certain set of, you know, rules and regulations. And that's part of the sort of scandal of, of Jesus when he comes, is he, in, in saying, like, my kingdom is not of this world, and the implication that God's kingdom is no longer geographically centered on Jerusalem and on the temple and on these physical landmarks, but the, the, the kingdom is being spread over the whole globe and everyone is invited to participate in that through faith in Jesus Christ. So so it does look different and I think you're, the 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 word alternative and it's an alternative community is is a really important I want to dig into that a little more and you kind of talked about two different ways in which the church can cease to be alternative. Yeah. Um and maybe we can just I did flush those out a little bit. Yeah, okay. you did. Um you said the idea of becoming like or kind of immersing ourselves in might say assimilating to the world around us. And that's not really what we're called to, but you also talked about sort of, you know, bunkering up and, and completely separating ourselves from the world and that, that that's not also what we're supposed to do. So what, a um, maybe what, what do those look like? If we, if we were to dig into those a little bit more, yeah, if we're, if, we're, if we're not trying to be either of those things, um, how, how do we how do we find ourselves doing that? As how Christians? do we find ourselves doing? Yeah, that as like wh- where do we 
Where might we look to see where we kind of do that? Well, I think there are a couple of spaces where those become really obvious. Um, But I think that it comes down to, um, we can go back to the prodigal son, I think, uh, in a lot of ways. And the two uh, heart postures that we tend to, we tend to view God through. And that's Mm. one of license and one of legalism, right? Mm. So it kind of comes down to, I I would say that someone who is assimilating into the world takes the fact that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God and there's nothing, um, God's grace is so sufficient for us Mm. um, and reaches so far. Like there's nothing that it can't reach, right? And so what's it matter if I sin or what's it matter if, you know, this... If, if I do X, Y, or Z, even though right. I know I'm not really supposed to, like God yeah. will forgive me. He loves me anyway, no matter what I do, because he loves me for who I am. And right. that's well, that, right? And so, well, it's, it's, it's great because, I mean, this is, you know, this is not new. These are not new conversations right. and, and challenges for the church. I think, you know, Paul in Romans, Paul in Corinthians, the question, should I sin more that grace may abound, as some has have accused us of of saying, and you know, the Corinthian church, one of you has your, you know, your, your father's wife and you're proud of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, 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 these things should not be. And that's, you know, both the communities that Paul's writing to have sort of taken that grace and, and then said, Hey, we don't need to be any different than society because we can, we can do all the things that they want to do because we're saved by grace. And Paul says, pump the brakes. Yeah. Right. Pump the brakes. Right. Yeah. Um, because that's not, that's not necessarily life-giving either, right? That's right. not helping in the um, life-giving restoration, reconciliation job that God is into right now, okay? Right. Um, and the other side that I think that we can say is kind of like circle the wagons um, is legalism, and it's kind of like what we want is... It's kind of like a creation of a Christian utopia, I can yeah. think. Mm-hmm. And really what it is is... is uh, I feel comfortable uh, with the people that think like me, and I can get on board with all of those who think just like Jesus, yeah. um, or at least hold these few values that the church that that Jesus held, and I feel comfortable in that. And so, yeah. um, anybody that does anything different than this is a bad influence and is a bad influence on me, is a bad influence on my kids, and I have to protect from that. Sin's influence is so great right. that I need to do everything I can to guard against this, right? Right. And like you said, it's not a new thing. We see that in the Pharisees and right. in the Sadducees, right? Right, right. Um, so we see this... The, um, Really, we're not having a new conversation. Right. The political exactly. climate yeah. feels a little bit charged and a little bit new right now, but this has always existed. Yeah, you know. The, yeah, the challenge of how do we engage in this world is not new. Right. It's it's the o- oldest question for followers of Jesus Christ. Yes, and yeah. so, but there is a tension. You know, there is a middle ground, mm-hmm. um, and I think the hard part is that our brains. We talked about habit formation and all yeah. that stuff our brains operate 
by putting things in categories, right? right. It, it right. allows our brain to fire quicker. And so what we want to do is we want to put people in categories mm. and we want to be in a category, right? Right. right. Th- those are kind of natural things. And as Christians, I don't know that we have a category, yeah. right? Our category is a Christian, yes, you know, yes. but it's it's not a political identity, right? Right, right. Uh, and, and I think that's what really comes back to this too. We're talking about being an alternate community, but the fact that political identity goes together, that you, and I, I get why that verbiage is, is because you identify at, at a certain point on the spectrum of of politics. Yeah. But I think our society, our society has really grabbed a hold of that and it's become your identity. Right? right, right. When our identity is in Christ, right, right? and we yes. participate in politics, right. okay, we're that, Christians first. We're followers of Christ per, first, yes, and foremost. Yes. And then somewhere down the list, and hopefully not even second, but hopefully somewhere down the list, then you could say, and maybe this is the party that I affiliate with. Right. Exactly. So when it comes down to identity, now it's very personal, right? Right. right. And it's very which. Yes, our relationship with God should be personal, Yeah. right? When it comes down to your identity and it, you uh, elevate your political, air quotes, political identity over lots of other things uh, and over uh, your identity being in Christ, then everything feels like a personal attack to you, right? Right. Uh, and and, go, go for it. No, I don't want to cut you off. Please cut me off. <laughs> So a, a couple a couple things that are just rolling around in my brain as you're talking, and um, and this is kind of going back a little bit to the idea of an alternate community and and what is our role. But I, I love I, lo- I love the geography of the Old Testament, and this does tie in, right? But when so this is going way back, Genesis 12, God calls Abraham, and he calls him out of a place called Ur of the Chaldees. And he calls him to go to the land of Canaan. Now, if you know your ancient geography, or if you don't know your ancient nah. geography, the ancient world sort of revolved, as in the world of the Bible, revolves around the area called the Fertile Crescent and the area of ancient Mesopotamia. And on either side... I know that name. What's that? I know Mesopotamia. Yes. And on either side, you had Egypt was one uh, powerful kingdom. And worship, you think about Ra, worship the god of the sun, as one of the primary deities. On the other side, you had the the um, kingdom of Ur, and we have um, evidence of, of like Hammurabi's code. So there, there was a, a huge political um, infrastructure there, a lot of power there. The kingdoms of Assyria and Babylon will come out of that area of Ur. And um, the primary deity worship there was, was the moon god. And the trade routes between these two major kingdoms, because of deserts and everything like that, went through, everything went through the land of Canaan. And so when God calls Abraham, and when God calls the people of Israel, God calls them out of these, and later, ultimately, they'll be you know, brought through the Exodus out of Egypt. So they're, they've been in both kingdoms, they're brought out of those kingdoms, and they're placed right at the center, right at the place where everyone went through Israel to get to the other kingdom. And and I think that that's, to me, a, a beautiful geographic image. And I don't know if you get ex- as excited about that as I get excited about it. But it, it's this geographical, physical image of where we are supposed to be as Christians. 
right at that crossroads, right at that intersection between the ideologies, between the kingdoms, but not separated. There's there's lots of interaction. Uh, there's trade routes going right through the space where we inhabit. But by being placed there, the Israelites were able to be or were supposed to be a witness to everyone, no matter where they were, of who God is and and. Uh, what what God desired. And they were supposed to be and to reflect an alternative way of living, an alternative life together. And, and I think that that sort of location, metaphorical or physical, is, is a continuing call of the people of God. And a, a different analogy, and feel free to cut me off whenever here. No, uh, I'm learning. <laughs> different analogy that Jesus uses, but I think it speaks to the same thing, is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where after going through the Beatitudes, and you know, this is the sort of mindset that you're supposed to have as people, as my people, which was super unique and, and different. And then he uses the analogies of salt and light, and and you are the salt of the earth, right? And you are the light of the world. And the implication is that if if the people of God, the people who live according to the um, call of the Beatitudes, if we're living in that way, then we are going to be salt to a world that doesn't have salt. We're going to be light to a world that is in darkness. And and we could get into what salt and light do more. But this the idea that to be followers of Jesus necessarily means that we will not be like the world around us. And yet the very fact of being different is part of the calling to then go and be light to the world, right? To engage with the world, to be salt that brings um, out the flavor in the world that helps preserve the world that is decaying and, and going into chaos. So I think you, throughout scripture, you see that again and again, God is calling the people of God out from and yet sending them back to. Yeah. And and that like dual reality is, is, is a tension that we're invited to keep as Christians. And I think what we tend to do is because we, we don't like tension as people, right? We like to just kind of sit in something that's familiar. And like you said, we want to be categorized. And so we either slip back into the kingdoms from which we were called out of, or we um, say, you know what, this is, this is good here. And I just don't have interact any interaction. Well, I, I love that because it, it puts a picture on an illustration on what we're trying to get at here because you know, like it or not, if if you follow Jesus as your Lord, if you've submitted lordship to him, prepare to be uncomfortable. Right. Okay. It is right. a life of uncomfortability. <laughs> That's okay. True. Yeah. And and part of the reason of that is because this is not our home. When when can you rest? It's when you're in your bed at your mm. home, right? But yeah. right now we're in the field. We got work to do. We're laboring, okay? So we're not supposed to be comfortable. Right. We're not on the side of the road watching other people work, right? Th- sorry, that's a critique of the road work that's done <laughs> here in our uh, city. But yeah. we are, I don't think that we always view ourselves as at work, right? Mm-hmm. And one, one of the things that, that Jessica and I have been talking a lot about, about how we want to raise our girls and all this stuff is is... We want them to be, we want them to love Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But we also want them to be good people, air quotes again, whatever that means. And we want them, we want them to be gritty. Mm. We want yeah. them to 
be okay with being uncomfortable or mm-hmm. at least, okay, you're uncomfortable. Don't just quit. Right. Don't just stop because right. it's easy right. to just do something else. And I think that when, I think that we all have the knowledge and we all know that that applies to like our hard work and like what we're doing. And that's kind of the American message too, is like pull, you know, yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, we're made by, uh, we're a country of gritty people. We push through like whatever. But when we're thinking about that, I think through the lens of Christ, the middle ground, and this is what I found in my life, Mm. the middle ground is usually right where God wants you. Mm. And it is so uncomfortable. (laughs) And you won't have a home and you will be attacked Mm. on both sides, if not three or four sides, right? Because you're in between everything. Yeah. But the good thing is that you're not standing alone, right? Yeah. You may be the only human being that's there, right? Yeah. Or in that particular conversation that's in the middle ground. But you're not there alone. You're there with God. And he put you there for a reason. And it's really easy to retreat to one side or the other. Right. And it's really difficult to be faithful. Right. And I think that if... if we found our quote unquote home there in the middle and realized that the tension is okay, mm-hmm. that maybe the tension is where we're supposed to be because it can bring people together right. or because, you know, this is, you know, God is not the sun God and God is not the moon God, right? Yeah. God yeah. is God, yes. right? So if we can find ourselves there, I think, our natural reaction is to is to look around and say, I have no cover. I have no cover, yeah. right? Yeah. I am exposed. Right. But maybe there's a reason that you are exposed, you know? Yeah. And it's to bring about light and to bring about salt to right. the earth. Right. Yeah. Who lights a lantern and then hides it? Right. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's really, that's really good. And it, and it is challenging. And, and I think it, tempers it informs even our understanding of sunday worship you know you know yeah. what is and, and a lot of it we're maybe first and foremost is just bringing glory to god who deserves it and who is worthy of worship you know but worship and and sunday and what we do together is also a time you know i've heard it likened to a, a refueling station it's it's the we we come and we stop and we get gas and we get refueled and we remember who God is remember who God is what God has done Sunday we were singing a song about um, God's promises from Abraham on and how God keeps his promises and how God is faithful and so we remember that and we remember that we can count on God and then we're empowered and to be sent back out into that middle ground right we're we're empowered to be sent back out as salt and as light and Sunday morning is not the place where we retreat and say, oh, I'm so glad to be out of the world. It's the place where we're renewed and refreshed and sent back to the front lines. Yeah. It's, right, of this. And that's also been interesting. I talked to my youth a lot about that is that Sunday and Wednesday, those are not the playing fields. This is not your faith living itself out. That's not, hmm. you are being called into the game. This is not the game. This is practice, okay? <laughs> and you practice so that you can go and perform. I don't want to use that word yeah, in the yeah, context yeah. Yeah. necessarily of what we're talking about, but you 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 practice for the game. And so 
when when our culture has kind of shifted to this Sunday morning culture and maybe a Wednesday evening something, and that is how you live out your life for Christ. Well, we're just practicing. That's all it is. And then there's no, no one's in the game, right? And I don't want to take a, I mean, that was a hugely broad brushstroke yeah. <laughs> to say that we have no one that's in the game for yeah. Christ. And that's not true. But I think that it's, it's important for people to think about, am I in the game? Am I engaging yeah. in the way that Christ wants me to? And then yeah. we're not retreating, like you said, back into, into um, a place. I mean, it is safe and yeah. there is some sort of rest in worship and in our yes. church community. And that's why it's important to have one, right? right. That's one right. of the reasons why it's important to, to be in a church body. Well, and I think it's, and it's a foretaste you know, yeah. And that's where a lot of things happen in, in the context of worship and time together. And and, um, and, and so sometimes, and again, we, we said at the beginning, we don't always, you know, if you read too much into any specific statement, listen to the, you know, listen to the whole podcast to see what we mean, not just a particular statement. But um, I, th- I think there is a foretaste of heavenly rest. There's a, there's a foretaste of um, what we are um, promised. There's a, there's a foretaste of the culmination of everything that God is doing that we are supposed to experience and, and, and kind of taste and witness on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And, and I think about, we've talked about our, our festival Sundays where everyone is together and, and we have a, a mix of, of music and cultures and dress and, and you know, it's, it's, it's a foretaste, right? It, yeah. it gives us for that hour a glimpse of something that sort of resembles what it maybe might be like someday when God's kingdom fully comes in it, in its, in its wholeness. Um, and so there is an aspect of, of rest to that. And in the same way that I would say, even the miracles, a lot of the miracles that Jesus performs are foretastes, right? Yeah. They, they point to the raising of Lazarus. Not everyone that died during the time of Jesus when he was on earth was raised from the dead, Right. It was Lazarus, and then there was another another woman. But they're foretastes. This, the, I am the God of life. I am mm-hmm. the God who is going to restore all things. I am the God who is going to raise the dead, and I can do that now. But that's also something I. There is life in me, yeah. right? So it, they're 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 pointing to something that's coming, and they're pointing to again this reality of who God is, and that's another aspect of of worship on Sunday. And now we, I feel like I just totally took us away from alternate community but i don't think so i think that we can come back and kind of recap what we mean by alternate community because of worship because when we talk i think Mm -hmm. it's really easy to take the term alternate community and then do what we warned against right and live by license or live by legalism right right Right. so if we take alternate community and we live by license then now we have this like cool place where we all can come together and it's like oh man i you know there's there's no i was about to give a really bad example so i'm not going to do that there's no like discipleship but but there's no discipleship it's just kind of like yeah yeah i love you God loves you, you know, no matter what you do, just remember that, which I mean, don't misconstrue my words. That is, that is true. But if that is the only piece of what we hear or what we live by, then that is not, that is not what Christ has called the church to be. Right. 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 
And then on the other hand, we can also hear alternative community and we can think, okay, well, that means that we're going to take everyone who thinks like-minded like me and then we're going to make our own community. And I think right. that's kind of what we see, that both of those things is kind of what we see in the church, right? It, it, specifically in America or mm-hmm. for me, who's not lived anywhere but Oklahoma, um, yeah. in Oklahoma, is yeah. that we kind of have this like, um, one of my favorite uh, musical artist is Charlie Crockett and he's got a song it's uh Saturday Satan Sunday Saint and that's kind of <laughs> fooling your yeah. neighbor that's what you yeah. think yeah. and and that's kind of like living by license right but then we yeah. also have um the communities that come together and li- live by legalism and it's right. like step a toe out of line and we're gonna you know kick you out of the church okay. or we're gonna yeah. you know what I mean, I, I don't want to be too critical on things, but yeah. we have a tendency to go there. And that's not what we mean by alternate community. What right. we mean by alternate community is we we live in this, even just within go- the gospel and living right. our life focused on Christ, we live in this tension of of grace and obedience where our sin right. falls, right? And we're right. not supposed to do some of these things things and we're supposed to be obedient to christ but that's not how we get there right right that's not how uh we get to heaven we're not justified by our works right right and on the other hand too if we're just uh exploiting the grace of jesus christ and the blood that has covered our sin then we are not living in accordance with God either because we believe that his statutes are good, right? right. And they're they're life-giving and something that we're supposed to live by, right? So yeah. we, we're already in that tension and now within our own community. Yeah. And now we get to take that out into the world. Right. Again, a place of tension. Right, right. Well, and I think, you know, we've been working through Acts on Sunday mornings and you have this vision a couple times in the early chapters of Acts of the church in Jerusalem and how people are truly moved by the power of the Holy Spirit and by their understanding of the kingdom to bring what they have and to lay it at the apostles' feet to sell it and to give to the needs of the poor, right? And and that's that's nothing... Um, that comes down. It's not a top-down, you know, social program or political program. It, it's people whose lives have been transformed, right? Mm-hmm. And you see multiple um, early on in Acts. They're all Jews, um, but different cultures. You have people from all over the the world, the Roman Empire, people that speak different language languages. And as you get later in Acts, you see Jews and Gentiles. Um, this this huge divide, this people that hated each other and and didn't want anything to do with each other, and yet through Christ, they come together and they they worship together and they are living life together, and and you know that's too part of that altern- alternate community that the church is supposed to be, and we talk about you know you can have Republicans and Democrats together worshiping the same God, breaking bread together, loving one another, serving one another. You can have um, black and white together in the same church loving one another, listening to each other's stories. And I think that, um, I think about the early church and, and when there were sickness in, in Rome and, and the Christians were known as the people that didn't abandon those who were dying and those who were sick, but actually went to those places and cared for them, right? Th- those are 
those are some of the ways in which the church has been an alternate community. Instead of acting selfishly, instead of being focused on self-preservation, um, they were focused on the needs of the other because they were living by the greatest commandment, the, or the two greatest commandments, mm-hmm. love God and love your neighbor, right? And that's and that shaped the community. And so I think that, um, you know, when we talk about the church being an alternate community, that's also an aspect of it is that whatever happens in the world around us doesn't in some sense, matter at all. Because we are not looking to the world and saying, hey, we need to be like that or we need to reject it. We're just saying, uh, part of our focus is, is what has God called us to? What has God called us to as a community? And and then, and ultimately, our, our hope is not in what what is the world doing? What are politicians doing? What is Caesar doing? And what are kings doing? Yeah. You know, our hope is we have a king and his kingdom is coming and we get to participate in that and it will come whether anyone wants it to or not, right? right. It's going to come. And so, um, and that also kind of frees us up to be a little bit different and and uh, to, to not have to live with fear, to not have to live with a sense of anxiety. But, you know, I, I do care about who wins this election, but I also really don't care. Yeah. And I'm not anxious about it. I'm not worried about it. Um, and because... Because ultimately, I do believe, I think it matters. I think it will have important impact on people and people's lives, and so it does matter. But I also believe that God's in charge, and then that's not going to change. And God's, you know, who Christ is and the Lordship of Christ, and and even the call on me as an individual, none of that's going to change yeah. in a few months, right? It doesn't matter who's, who's elected. The call to me, the call to the church is going to be the same. Christ is still on the throne. And so... I think it just gives us a little more freedom to live in that middle space and to and to walk to walk through life um, as as salt and light, no matter what yeah. happens around us. And Amen, Amen. <laughs> but to give a little tease yeah, for the please, next episode please, please. is how does that play out? Right. Because we can we have particular calls that are on us as individuals right right placed there by jesus himself right by the word of god that we see in scripture right to to be um advocates for those who are oppressed right right to feed the hungry right to stand up for what is right and good and true right Right, we have those calls on us. So, in order to enact those, we can't. I mean, I can't wait for Jesus to get back, but we can't yeah. just wait for Jesus to get back, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So that will ultimately solve all the problems, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not our game plan, right? Yeah. Our game plan is not just to wait it out. We're not hunkered down just waiting it out. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, we're called to be the salt and the light. So how does that actually play out? And we're not actually going to get into that today. Yeah. Uh, we're just talking a little bit more broad brushstrokes. But next week, next episode, I say week, could be two. Um, next time, we are going to talk about how does that play out and right. and what is, um, what is our call as Christians um, into the inaction of some of those things. Right, right. Yeah, because while we can say this is how the church should be, 
as we mentioned, we are in a democracy, right? We have a voice. We have an influence. We can speak up for things that we believe in. We can speak out against things we don't believe in. And even if we believe that the primary kind of calling of the church is to, to live out the the desires of God and love of neighbor and care for the poor and orphan, we still live in a society where we we have a voice. Yeah. And we have a responsibility. Yes. And when we're called to love our neighbor, it's not just those who are in the church. Yeah. It's those who are in the world who know nothing of Jesus, who hate Jesus. We're yeah. called to love our enemies. And so um politics matters. It does. I wish so, it did. I hate to say. Yeah. It like really makes me sad kind of, but it does matter. I it think does. it matters. It does. As we think about what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, Dan, I would say that this has been a pleasure, but it kind of <laughs> hasn't. Um, no, it really it, it's always a pleasure yeah. speaking with you, Dan. Uh, and to the listeners out there, thanks again for listening. I hope that we at least make you think. I don't know that we'll answer all of your questions, especially on this topic, and we're yeah. definitely not going to tell you which policies or which candidates to vote for. But um, I mean, we may have stronger opinions on certain policies than others, but we'll see. Yeah. And, but we won't tell you how to vote. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the encouragement here is to take kind of a self-assessment and, and what camp do you lie in? Are you comfortable with tension? Are you Mm -hmm. uncomfortable with that tension? Do you, do you feel homeless in your political identity? I saw something, a pastor, uh, posted it, that it was, if you feel homeless in your political identity, you're probably right where Christ wants you to be. Um, because there is no political party that we put our hope in that's going right. to bring about right. the goodness of God, right? That is that is up to God himself through using you as a vessel, right? Right. right. So anyway, I hope that this made you think. Uh, I hope that... Um, I hope a lot of things, but they don't really matter. Uh, but I hope you have a good week. Yeah. And we will talk at you next time. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks, Eric, for letting us use your music. Thanks for Fres for letting us use your space and thank you Dan thank you Jason thanks listeners go out there and be salt and make bye bye